live on uh, we're already live on YouTube YouTube Comedy Schools channel live on uh, Comedy Schools Radio Network.com and now live ladies and gentlemen on Facebook Facebook live good afternoon ladies and gentlemen boys and girls moms and dads children of all ages and welcome to this very special edition of living on a thin line with uh, Tony Visick I am Tony Visick we come to you now six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time um, we are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. It is um, election day. It is election day. Although uh, tens of millions of people have already voted, today is election day. How have I spent my day on election day thus far? Uh, I've spent my day thus far on election day by handing out campaign literature in front of a junior high directly behind my house. Uh, asking people to vote for a local city council member. That is how I spent my morning. Uh, one Andre Lafond. I hope Andre wins. He is a good man. But that's what I did. The only yard sign I had up all year was for a local city council member. How have I spent my last several Saturday mornings? I spent my last sa- uh, several Saturday mornings uh, at the main intersection of my little city, 60,000 and growing Maricopa, uh, with a group of other people in my capacity as chair of the Copa City Dems, uh, waving Biden, Harris, Mark Kelly, vote Democrat, Andre LaFont signs at passerbys while across the street uh, was uh, always a greater number, but uh, maybe not as great in heart of Trump supporters. That's I spent my Saturdays. Spent a good part of the last few months chairing an organization called the Copa City Dems, which I humbly accepted their uh, nomination and acceptance as their chair. Uh, helping uh, sustain that organization and help it grow during this particular time. Also during all this time, I worked with a wonderful group, primarily out of Los Angeles, called Rapid Response, the Writers Brigade, uh, consisting of some of the top uh, television and Broadway writers in America today as we crafted messaging uh, at a national level. Uh, And I've done one other thing since then, and darn it, I can't remember. So I said at the beginning of this entire uh, campaign cycle to all of my uh, liberal and democratic friends, if you want to win, you're going to have to do more than just vote on election day and watch Rachel Maddow. By the way, perfectly fine doing those things. So I lived up to that promise. So I have busted my butt. Granted, there are people who have worked a lot harder than me. Uh, many people I know who are tireless advocates for their side, for their cause, have worked harder than me. But I did more during this election for local candidates, state candidates. Also, uh, a few months back, I got to share the stage with uh, who I will surely will be soon be known as Senator Mark Kelly when I had to follow him after he made a wonderful speech where he went, wow, I see what this guy's running for senator. This guy's really smart. And I did stand up after him. Uh, So many things I've done in the last few months that uh, were important to me. Important to me. And now, as they say, it's like, it's like making soup. We were putting all sorts of ingredients. We brought it to a boil. Now we must let it simmer, and then we will taste it. Side note, during uh, my entire uh, morning this morning, as I was handing out campaign literature for one Andre Lafon, I shared a tent. Graciously, it was his tent, one of those pop-up tents, with Vince Monfrati. Vince is a local city councilman out here in Maricopa who actually lives in the same community I live in, Maricopa Meadows. Great guy. Publisher of a magazine out here called In Maricopa who is um, 
the chairman of the local Republican Party. Now, in city politics out here, we try to make that matter as little as possible. And uh, Vince and I uh, have a great deal in common, and I've known him for many, many years. And uh, we were both out handing out literature. I was handing out, he was handing out for a woman named Amber Liebman. I think that's how her name is pronounced. I was handing it out for Andre Lafon. And I'd come up and go, please vote for Andre Lafon. And by the way, this gentleman has something to say to you as well. And we spent three hours talking the city, the state, politics, family, real estate. One man, a Republican, city council member here in Maricopa, me, a Democrat, the chair of the Copa City Dems. And I couldn't find a more pleasant way to spend my morning than advocating for my side while uh, even increasing a bond of friendship with someone who's uh, on the uh, opposite political aisle of me, who I always liked. So that's how I spent my morning. Tonight, tonight I will be teaching my advanced stand-up comedy workshop at JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com. Should check it out, 860 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona. Area ever in the greater Gilbert area, and you're looking for something to do, and you want some safe social distance entertainment, please come out to JP's Comedy Club. Great shows Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. <coughs> this weekend, none other than one of my all-time favorite comics, Mary Upchurch. If you like good comedy, if you just want to laugh hard, and you want to watch a very funny person, Mary Upchurch is your girl. So tickets are available for those shows. One show Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. I teach a stand-up comedy workshop at this newly opened club. And I don't know what Jim's politics are, uh, nor would I feel comfortable sharing them here right now. I will tell you that he is a former Chicago uh, police officer. Uh, but uh, we've worked together now. Uh, and him, once again, putting more work in it than me. Uh, worked together to be able to open up an entertainment spot for people while so many other, other entertainment spots are closing. Uh, maybe we'll end up closing too. I don't know. But right now, things are looking good. So you might want to check that out. I will be, pre I will be presenting hybrid live and Zoom shows there uh, starting sometime in December. So you want to check them out. So we'll bring our particular brand of comedy, uh, JP's, uh, out to uh, the world. So I will be teaching a stand-up comedy workshop at Jim's Club tonight. Four years ago tonight, approximately, I was teaching a stand-up comedy workshop at the Tempe Center for the Arts, where we're going to begin doing some, uh, some uh, shows that are taped there. And they're still closed uh, due to the pandemic and probably will be for quite some time. Everybody's got to uh, make their own choices within the choices that are, that are given them right now. So that's what the city of Tempe is doing. Uh, but we are going to be taping some stuff there real soon. Hello, Jen Morosky. Hello, Charles Kaminsky. Hello, Don Shell. Hello, Coy Johnson. Hello, Jerry, Brother Jer. Hello, Tina and Mike Lawson. Hello, everybody. The uh, Living on a Thin Line uh, tribe is gathering here. Um, anyway, four years ago tonight, I was teaching a class, and I had my phone to the side, and I began to understand that Hillary Clinton was not going to be president of the United States, although I had begun seriously having doubts about her winning about a week and a half, two weeks before the final week, had real doubts. Uh and saw it take place. And lo and behold, four years, and there's a couple of guys, I think it's mostly guys, who are going to be in the class tonight who were with me four years ago, who are regular attendees at the workshop, great comics who use this as a gym. And I was talking to one of them last night, DJ Payne, said, wow, 
Let's see how this turns out. Now, I had concerns about Hillary winning. She did not win. I have less concerns about Joe Biden winning. I think he will win tonight. Uh, but it certainly has tightened up in the last 24 hours. Certainly has tightened up in the last 24 hours. What I hope for your neighborhood, what I hope for your county, what I hope for your state, what I hope for the nation, as you get to experience what I got to experience today, which is someone who is of a different political stripe than you, and both of you advocating for your side, being able to stand side by side and still work towards making this a better place than it is today. Not that it's a terrible place today. But always from wherever you're standing, you can go further, you can go better, you can go greater. You can, okay? Or you can tumble backwards. So if you're taking anything from this today, no matter who wins or loses, know that this morning, in a rapidly growing city that did not that has been around for a long time, but basically had about a couple hundred people in it for decades, that uh, when I moved here had less than 5,000, now has north of 60,000, that a member of the city council and a chairman of the Copa City Dems, the Democratic Social Organization, were able to stand side by side. And, and I'll say something that might make some people mad, but there were a couple times where Vince was tied up in a conversation with someone, and uh, like I said, I was sharing his pop-up tent, and uh, I'd hand out my stuff and go, by the way, this gentleman will want you to read this, and he did the same for me. He did the same for me. Now, one of those two will end up on the city council. One, only one, either Amber or Andre. But in the execution of seeing which one would be on, no rancor was involved, and actually a greater comity was involved. So whatever happens here on out, that's what we really have to work towards in this country. Not this ugly, sad, sorrowful division. I think all of us have to look at our division brains. All of us have to look at our division brains, our us-against-them kind of stuff in our brain, and ratchet it down a little bit moving forward from this day on 2020. we got to bring it down a little bit. we got to stop using terms like uh, libtard and conpub. By the way, I think I created conpub uh, to battle libtard. Okay? Um, I'm not going to engage in conversation with uh, people who are going to speak in that nature anymore because I've seen it get toxic all the way down to the neighborhood level block by block. So anyway, that's how it's going to be. I'll be teaching a class tonight. <coughs> I could be at Tacos and more, more out here in Maricopa, the Copa City Dems. I could be in a Zoom party with uh, uh, the Writers Brigade, uh, the wonderful writers. I work with all these monks shaping messages for liberals, progressives, and the Democratic Party. But I will be teaching my workshop, helping people learn how to do something that we all learn need to learn how to do. Because my philosophy is I want everybody to laugh. I want everybody to have a good time when they come out to see a Tony Visick show or Tony Visick production. I want everybody to have a good time. I think we need to start working towards that as human beings as well. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, like I said, we teach the workshop. I, I don't know if we'll know tonight. My feeling is we'll know tonight. My feeling is it's going to be a Biden blowout. Um, and... Um, um, I think that Biden's going to take Pennsylvania closely, but I also think he's going to take Arizona. If he takes Arizona, Pennsylvania closely, Trump can then contest Pennsylvania all he wants. Uh, it won't make much of a difference. We will see. 
I was talking to uh, Vince today about the first time we ever got involved politically, and I shared a story with him from 1972. That's right, 1972. When I grab my little brother Jerry and go, hey man, you should come with me. We're going to go see this guy talk who might be the next president of the United States. I was 17. Jerry's 15. Jerry goes, okay. All right. And uh, he didn't really talk like that. That's just a voice you do if you're doing somebody younger. And we went to a uh, mall parking lot in West St. Louis County where I won George McGovern, who was uh, running for president of the United States as a Democrat on an anti-war platform, was running against Richard Milhouse Nixon. And we stood in that giant parking lot and we watched all these old lunch bucket Democrats, New Deal union guys talk. And you could tell one thing in common through their speeches. They did not like this usurper, George McGovern. George McGovern was a liberal progressive. And even though he had been a senator for a long time, and even though he had fought bravely and valiantly in World War II, Jerry says I was 14. Thank you, Jerry. Okay. Uh, he was much more liberal than any of the Democrats in St. Louis at that time, or at least part of the Democratic Party. Uh, that wasn't what made me think that he might be in trouble. What made me think that George McGovern might be in trouble on that day, even with my 16 or 17-year-old addled brain, and then he was the first campaign where I went around and hung stuff on people's doors. I did that one day, and then I think I got too high and forgot how to do it. Um, was they had a duo uh, entertain the crowd while we were waiting for the speakers, two guitar players, a folk duo, real popular back in those days. And I'm standing there in a the crowd. I'm a big Grateful Dead fan. And they start playing Casey Jones by the Grateful Dead. The opening lines to Casey Jones by the Grateful Dead is, riding that train high on cocaine. Casey Jones, you better watch your speed. And even in my counterculture, LSD-infused, leftist, I don't want to go to war in Vietnam, I'm not a good shot brain, I sat there and I thought, it's probably not a good idea to play that song. It's nothing but grown-ups here. And you're playing high school, college music. Probably not a good idea. Hello, Marietta England Hawkins. How are you? And that's what I knew that perhaps Mr. McGovern was in trouble. How big a trouble was he? It was one of the biggest trouncings in modern political history. Was it wrong? Yes, it was. George McGovern was a man of character and principles and intelligence and high morals who was going to move this country forward. Richard Nixon was a guy too caught up in his own grievances. Bright, intelligent, astute political animal, but too caught up in his own personal grievances to be able to govern effectively. Um, so I've been involved in this for a long time. My feeling is tonight that uh, Joe Biden is going to take a commanding, a commanding lead by the end of the evening. And even though it'll be several days before all the votes are counted. Look, most of these things, you know, when you hear uh, on election night, they go, we're calling it for Barack Obama. That's just a prediction by news agencies. It's usually correct. But it's not the official count. It'll be weeks before the official certified account takes place. And then the Electoral College has got to vote in December. And then in January, uh, a new president takes office. So the old one continues on. But I think by tonight, Joe Biden will have a commanding lead and um, will be declared. And there'll be not a lot that uh, Donald J. Trump will be able to do about it. Uh, and, uh, and the country will begin to move uh, forward from uh, that day. That's what I think is going to happen. But watch your space. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that's what, uh, that's what I'm seeing right now. I did not see that four years ago today when it was uh, Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. I went, this is a problem. I knew it was a problem watching Trump 
during the primaries against all of his Republicans' opponents, the way he mowed them down. He mowed them down by going, I'm not going to play by the rules. They said, well, here's a checkerboard. And he came up and dropped his pants and shit on the checkerboard. He goes, I won! That's what he did. And by the time anybody caught up to what he was doing, it was too late. If Donald Trump loses now, he's going to lose now because he horribly mishandled the pandemic and because his demeanor, the tone, and what he's doing to the culture of the nation is... Uh, too off-putting to many, many people. Many, many people. And this horrific mishandling in most of our eyes of the pandemic. Um, he will lose. So, but we'll see. You know, it's interesting. I talk about 1962. Think about how much, uh, how much shaped me from the era. You know, so I work in a field of stand-up, stand-up comedy. Telling yokes and whatnot. Uh, and I was thinking about what shaped my sense of humor. So many things did. Green Acres. Shape my sense of humor. The Three Stooges shape my sense of humor. The Marx Brothers shape my sense of humor. The Smothers Brothers shape my sense of humor. Abbott and Costello shape my sense of humor. But when we got into periodicals, by the time I was in my late teens, early 20s, bar none, two of the biggest shapers of my sense of humor were the National Lampoon and R. Crumb. This is Zap Zero, meaning it was the very first Zap comic put out. Very first Zap comic put out, okay? And they didn't call it number one, they called it number zero. Zap Comics, the comics that plugs you in, and if you look at the cover there, you can see that that's uh, usually not what you saw on the cover of a Superman or Batman uh, comic book. The Underground Comics, uh, Apex Novelty, uh, Last Gas Comics, all that stuff that become uh, the counterculture comics were not governed by the comic code. We're not covered by the comic code. There was a code, a comic code that governed what could and couldn't be covered or talked about, and how it could or couldn't be covered uh, in comic books. And that was a code. And if they, someone broke that, then the uh, wasn't published, etc. Kind of like the way uh, the uh, uh, movie rating codes were, and all that sort of thing. The underground guys broke that, and they talked about counterculture things. None was greater, in my estimation, than R. Crumb, the uh, legendary R. Crumb. R. Crumb, viewed through the prism of today's world, or even that world, was uh, uh, certainly racial, certainly misogynistic by today's prism, and even somewhat there. But what he really captured, what was going on in urban America in the late 60s, early 70s, where counterculture people resided with people of, uh, with African-American people and people of other ethnic origins, <coughs> those marginalized communities, how it was on the urban streets of America in the late 60s, early 70s, after the riots of the late, mid to late 60s and stuff, and what was left and what remained, all right? And he really kind of captured that in comics. And he was an incredible artist very complicated man. He created iconic characters like uh, Mr. Natural. But he created this comic, this story, Meatball. Meatball. Now you can look this up. You can check it out. Meatball. And just the story of what would happen in the world if all of a sudden, inexplicably, meatballs started hitting people in the head, started falling out of the sky. Okay? And the last three panels say, uh, it rained meatballs in downtown Los Angeles for almost 15 minutes. 
Thousands of people were all hit at the same time. There was rioting and looting and dancing in the street and a lot of giggling. Cops busted heads, but they couldn't stop what had happened. Since Meatball Tuesday, it appears that the number of instances has started to taper off. For many of those who have not yet encountered the meatball, the decline is a constant source of anxiety as they wait and hope. Some fine day the day too, but alas, meatball doesn't work that way. So, meatball is just a story of what would happen if all of a sudden, for no reason at all, it started raining meatballs. How would people react? Now, it's a comic by R. Crumb, who was fucking high almost the whole time he was doing it. I know. My grandson's in the other room. I owe him money for my, um, uh, my uh, uh, adverb there, I believe. Uh, <laughs> but it does really encapsulate how people are reacting to unknown forces being placed upon them that they cannot explain. And how some people revel in it and some people recoil from it and some people rise from it and some people are destroyed by it, but it changes society. In a sense, right now, COVID is our meatball. It is what is known as the black swan moment. And the first time I even encountered a philosophy was in a Zap comic from the late 60s drawn by the creatively brilliant, insane art crumb meatball and how is it affecting me it's something that i've done with my little grandson who just yelled in here right once in a while I'll just come and kind of grab him like i'm taking go meatball and he'll do the same thing to me and i did with my daughter it's a comic i read when i was in my late teens early 20s but stayed with me ever since so as far as comic collectors go this one's in pristine condition but you can see it's a dollar fifty first editions in the late 60s were 50 cents so while this one might be worth a few bucks uh, it's not, uh, it, the original was in 1967. This one was printed in the 70s. It's not, it's worth a few bucks, but not as much as if you ever get a hold of a copy of a Zap comic from the late 60s in good condition, you got money in your pocket. The other periodical that cha uh, shaped my sense of humor so very much was none other than National Lampoon. And by the way, this is one of the greatest National Lampoon covers of all time. If you look carefully... We've got a beautiful woman, we've got a little baby, we've got Americana from the 50s, and on the dinner plate is a dog. <laughs> it's one of those sneaky, sneaky covers where it looks so Norman Rockwell, so Americana with the washer and dryer and the cabinets and the dress that the young lady has on and the toe-headed little boy, and they're on the dinner plate the dogs being served up, and the, um, uh, the caption under it says, give me a magazine cover with a beautiful girl, a dog, or a baby on it, and I'll give you a magazine that sells. And that was a quote from William Randolph Hearst. And they turned it on their head by putting a beautiful girl, a baby, and a dog, just the dog is on a, a giant turkey platter. National Lampoon was one of the most funny, subversive, insane, gonzo, Culturally changing periodicals to ever be printed in the United States of America. More than the New York Times, more than the New York Post, more than Time Magazine, more than Newsweek. It heralded a whole new way of thinking and a whole new school of thought for America. A liberal, free, crazy, hedonistic, 
irreverent society that the United States became for the most part from the late 60s all the way up until recently. That one, this is not the, uh, this was the, uh, uh, they also did a, another cover where there was a cute dog on there with a gun to its head and the caption said, buy this magazine, we'll shoot this dog. I laughed for a half hour when I saw that in a gas station once. Uh, this was our, the PJ O'Rourke era. I'm trying to look at the exact year of this. Uh, and I don't have it here. This was the PJ O'Rourke era of uh, National Lampoon. Uh, uh, well, Sean Kelly, yeah, PJ O'Rourke era. Okay, uh, some say it was already past the great era, but still, uh, by 1977, started reading National Lampoon in the early 70s. Uh, National Lampoon gave us so many things. It gave us all the people that then farmed Saturday Night Live. It gave us so much more, so much of the movies, so much of the comedy culture uh, that uh, lasted uh, in the last third of the 20th century. But these were two magazines, Zap, this particular Zap with Meatball, and this cover on National Lampoon that helped shape my sense of humor. So the question is, what helps you shape your sense of humor? I don't know, Jim Perry, I just seen a message here from Jim Perry, Jim Perry of uh, JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, and it says, must be a Chinese food place. I don't know why you just, let's see, uh, Abhinav's watching, Mariana's watching, Virgie's watching, Fritz, Jerry, no, Fritz is not a Chinese food place, Jim. Fritz is a, a Fritz, Fritz the cat was another uh, cartoon character that really dealt with uh, the, the counterculture meeting the urban decay in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, okay? So I went to Auction Day. I gave you my whole Auction Day. I gave you my whole Auction Day. I gave you my whole hoo-ha huh, on that. Uh, we were not on uh, Saturday, for those of you that are following, uh, as we're regularly on Saturday. We were on Sunday, but that whole show got deleted by accident. Uh, Don Shell asked if I like Mad Magazine. Yes, Don, I did. As a little boy, I was a huge fan of Mad Magazine. I have several Mad Magazines, but as I really look back and dig into it, as much as I like Mad Magazine, it did not shape my sense of humor as much as uh, National Lampoon and the Underground Comics did. Although I did love Mad Magazine, Spy versus Spy, all that stuff. I absolutely loved it. All right, uh, we're going to talk a whole lot more about all that kind of stuff. I just want to, I only got four minutes here. Um, I just want to talk about an album here. We're talking about a singer, talking about an artist. And I talked about her recently, but you can't talk about her enough. And once again, recommending uh, the stunning uh, Emmy Lou Harris. It is a great, great, great Emmy Lou Harris album. This is Luxury Liner from, I want to say, 1976. Um, her backup singers were uh, uh, Fasu Starling, which we don't know that well. But also her backup singers were, get this, Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, Tanya Tucker, Don Everly, and uh, the White Girls. So uh, those were her backup singers on this album. Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, Tanya Tucker, and Don Everly. Her band, the Hot Band, had uh, both James Burton on some of the songs and later on Albert Lee, who then became the long, her longtime guitarist. Uh, James Burton, who, of course, was Elvis's lead guitarist for many years. Also, Glenn Harden, uh, Emery Gordy, James Burton, John Ware, Hank DeVito, Rodney Crowell was on here on acoustic guitar, and Ricky Skaggs on fiddle. Skaggs and Crowell both starting with Emmy Lou. Also, uh, Mickey Raphael, who was um, uh, 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 Willie Nelson's 
harmonica player plays on here. Bill Payne from Little Feet. Uh, so many great players contributed. This is one of those albums in the 70s, that weird cross of uh, rock and roll and country because the singer-songwriter was starting to be pushed out a little bit in rock and was still being exalted in country. So you had that country, country rock or country music with a rock ethic taking place that certainly describes Miss Emmy Lou Harris. The great songs on here, Sisters Coming Home, Beneath Stillwaters, Rough and Rocky. Uh, then um, Sorrow in the Wind, uh, They'll Never Take His Love From Me, Every Time You Leave Me. I mentioned those songs. The great ones on this is, she has a great version of Save the La Last Dance for Me. A stunning solo version of Hickory Wind, a song she did as a duo with Graham Parsons. Um, na, 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 na. And, but, but, I'm taking a look here. Rough and Rocky, sorry, every time you leave me, blue, and her version of Even Cowgirls Get the Blues is just absolutely stunning absolutely stunning absolutely fun okay so um that's what we're going to recommend from this album oh this is blue kentucky girl and that's why i was talking about luxury liner i'm an idiot i got both the albums i grabbed the wrong one ha all right we're going to recommend even cowgirls get the blues from blue kentucky girl by emmy lou harris by emmy lou harris you can't get enough emmy lou harris and i don't care if you are a Tupac fan, because I like a lot of Tupac. I like a lot of Biggie Smalls. I certainly love Coolio. Everybody knows that about me. Okay, but if you want to broaden your horizons and you want to listen to a voice that actually makes you go, oh, there is a God and I do have a soul, you're going to want to listen to Emmy Lou Harris. And from this album from Blue Kentucky Girl with all these great backup singers with her, we're going to listen to uh, Even Cowgirl Gets the Blues. That link's going to be placed for you here in the comments and then placed in the titles later on. We're going to place it there as soon as we wrap up. And ladies and gentlemen, we're wrapping up. Uh, vote early. Vote often. Uh, tomorrow, we may know more than we know today. And if we do, we'll certainly talk about it. And if, as usual, we know a lot less than we think we know, we'll talk about that as well. All right. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.